And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Al Baker. He's an evangelistic revival preacher with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. Pastor Al, it's wonderful to have you on with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be with you as well. You know, um, we often talk about culture, but um, one of the things that has struck me, Al, and even before reading your article here, is the bizarreness (laughs) uh, of what's happening in our culture. There seems to be a death wish going on where people are... Uh, have a suicidal mentality almost. And you wrote an article. It's it's a very good article, um, The Desolation of Darkness. So let's talk about what's in this article and then leave some time to the at the end so we don't get ourselves depressed because Jesus is king and he's, he's uh, bringing the nations to himself. And I don't want us, to, obviously, and me, I don't want to miss that. So We'll leave that towards the end, but can you get us started today talking about what we're seeing and and how it ties into the Scripture? Yes, I'd be happy to try to do that. I think, first of all, we have to realize that, uh, as Paul the Apostle says, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, uh, powers of uh, darkness. And uh, he says in 2 Corinthians 4, that the devil has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the knowledge of Christ as the image of God. And, and Jesus says in John 10 that uh, he came, uh, that the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, mm. but Jesus came to give life and that it might be abundant life. So there's the contrast. And so we, I think most of your listeners would be aware of the reality of the devil and his minions, his demons. Yes. And uh, a lot of people, you know, just kind of blow it off like it's some kind of fairy tale. But uh, this is real. And so, uh, but there's this, this foundation of evil that, that is in the world. And again, just to be positive, as you mentioned a moment ago, when we're in Christ, uh, John the Apostle says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, mm-hmm. There's a sense in which we don't need to fear the devil because we're in Jesus. Uh, we need to respect what he can do and what right. he is doing in the world. But but for the believer, he has no power over us as long as we stay away from him and don't don't give him a, any kind of um, entree into our lives. But what I was referring to in my article today was uh, this this uh, the Satanic Temple of Boston hmm. is going to have a uh, a conference. Uh, in May, and they're going to celebrate uh, Satanism, and they're going to have various seminars, and uh, they're going to have uh, all kind of witchcraft things going on, and they're promising it to be a weekend of blasphemy and remembrance. Mm. And uh, this this sort of thing is shocking to us, uh, to Christians. And and then, of course, um, there's a church in, in London that... Uh, uh, a church now, reminds you, is having a, a, a drag concert mm. um, in the church. And so I think most Christians, as they hear this, they were, you know, okay, that's the devil. But uh, so that's pretty obvious. Um, you know, we don't, 
we don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. I mean, we can see that that's demonic, but but it goes beyond that. And this is what you're alluding to a moment ago. This bizarre behavior that we're having now, like you say, it's it's like a death wish. Yeah. We have this transgenderism. We have we have faculty and administration in public schools going down to second and third grade, re- refusing to let the parents of these children know that these kids perhaps uh, they're, they're saying they're they're struggling with uh, gender dysphoria, which I don't really believe happens. I think I think most kids eight or nine or ten years old, at some point, kind of question their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, not, that's not unusual. But these people are really feasting on that with these kids and, and suggesting hormone blockers and and um, gender-altering um, surgery and so forth. And this is just mindless. And then, of course, just the sexualization of our culture. And uh, Governor DeSantis, even the yesterday, made clear he said, "He said there's all kind of books in our in our school libraries that are just perverted and speaking of right. sex in very very clear ways that children have no business listening to, and it, and so they're sexualizing the culture. And it's like, where do these people come up with this stuff? How how is it possible that people could actually think that a six year old or an eight or ten or fourteen year old, for that matter?" really needs to know this kind of stuff at that age. It's, it's mindless. And, and at the end of the day, we have to say, well, it's demonic. Yes. You know, James says uh, the wisdom of the world is earthly, natural, and demonic. And I think that's where we are, Dan. And I think the sooner Christians realize that and really deal with it, the better we'll be. Yes, yes. This is very serious business. And um, it, it's not fable. It's not make-believe. Um, there is a spiritual um, life and death battle going on. And Satan wants the minds of people. He wants their lives if he can get it. And um, do you believe there's demon possession today, Pastor L? Yes, I do. I think um, we see, we're seeing increasingly more of it in our culture. And the reason for that is going going back when the gospel comes into a culture, the devil flees. Yes, and um, and so when the gospel came to our country back, you know, in the in the sixteen hundreds, sixteen thirties, and on, um, the demonic activity that had been present with the with the uh, Indian people, the indigenous people of mm-hmm. the day, began to dissipate. Yes, um, but. Now that we're seeing more and more departure from biblical Christianity, we're starting to see a rise in it. I remember when we lived in Connecticut, we had a we had a, a Ghana's wife in our church who grew up in Montreal. Their, his this guy's parents were missionaries in Montreal, and they were visiting us one time. And the mother said of this young man said to my wife said, "You can't believe the demonic activity in Montreal and the yes. superstition." Yes, and uh, and she said it's because there's no there's no gospel there. No, and no. so this is what happens when the gospel leaves an area. And so it, it brings in. There's always a vacuum, and, and something's going to fill that vacuum. And unfortunately, in our increasingly in our culture, there is demonic possession, and but there clearly is at, le- at the very least demonic oppression with right. many people as well. Right. Um. 
I can't wait to ask you this. Um, somebody listening today who's experiencing, maybe then they've been playing around with the occult. Maybe it's a Ouija board. Maybe it's uh, whatever you call these tarot cards. Maybe they're just playing around with this stuff. What kind of counsel would you give that person today? Well, it's uh, it's very dangerous. I can give you an example. When we were in Connecticut, we had a young man in our church from Mexico, and uh, he, uh, he, he this is a long story, but he told us that uh, uh, his bed would shake at night, mm. and it had been happening for years. And somebody actually spent the night in his bed one time, she, and the person said, I'll never go back in there. And he said, why? But, well, because your your bed moved all over the room during the night. <laughs> That's terrible. And 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 so anyway, we, we had the guy come into to our office to, to talk with our elders, and I began to ask him a question. He goes, yeah, he grew up in Monterey, Mexico. He said, when I was a child, I remember for some crazy reason, I grew up in the church, an evangelical church. He said, for some reason, when I was 10 or 11 years old, I— I said, I'd like to serve the devil. And he went oh, on with a conversation, and I said, wait, I said, hold on, let's go back. What did you say? And he explained it again. I says, well, there's your problem. And I said, what we're going to do is we're going to rebuke the devil, and I quoted several verses in Scripture. And I said, we're going to lay hands on you, we're going to pray, and we're going we're to command that the devil would leave you alone. That's right. And that's what we did, and afterwards I said, you'll have no more trouble. Hmm. And this was this was 15 years ago, and as far as I know, he's had no trouble since. That's an amazing story. Yeah. So I think wow. what I would say is is um, people need to stay away from tarot cards and Ouija boards. Go, oh, there's nothing to it. No, there is. That's right. And you're opening yourself up to the devil. And I would go further to say that that our that our eye gate, our our eyes, our our ears, um, they're they're. They're gates into the soul. Amen. And if we if we allow pornography or anything uh, that's wicked into the eye gate or that's the right. ear gate, then we are we are opening ourselves up to, at the very least, demonic oppression. And so we need to be careful about all that. We need yes. to stay away from it. What about in your personal life? Um, the importance of opening. Uh, with the Word of God first thing in the morning and praying. Can you talk to that just a little bit? Yes, I, I, I uh, have been doing this for 50 years now. I, I became a Christian when, in 1972 when mm. this great revival was going on. Where a lot of us have watched the movie, The Jesus Revolution, and mm-hmm. I was part of I, I was converted during that time. And mm. so for 50 years, I've, I've been... Um, Really uh, trying to seek the Lord every morning, and so I've mm. I try to spend an hour and a half or two hours in the Word and in prayer, and it's wonderful uh, reading the Scriptures, memorizing the Bible, meditating on it, and so forth. And I think that I think that that is a powerful antidote to uh, to all the world has the devil and so forth. Know the Word of God, quote it back to yourself. We remember that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he quoted Scripture. Yeah. And so it's important that we know the Word and that we apply the Word to our minds and to our hearts and to our wills, and Mm. and God will help us when we do so. I remember, as I read Scripture, I remember how many times our Lord Jesus encountered evil spirits, and He had complete command over them. In your article, you mentioned something about the Syrophoenician woman. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, she she 
is a, a, a wonderful illustration of how we should pray. And uh, I spoke about darkness, and that's, of course, what we've been speaking about here. And I said, this woman uh, whose daughter was demon-possessed, she appeared. Jesus came to her, and, she, and Jesus went into a pagan area where this woman was. She was a pagan herself. And she said, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter's cruelly demon-possessed. So this woman saw her daughter's problem. And it was much more severe than not having friends or not having a good place, you know, <laughs> a date to the prom yeah. or whatever. It was far more serious than that. This woman came to realize, no, my daughter's problems are darkness. She has the devil yes. in her. And what I'm saying is that we have, and we will really not pray, I don't believe, and really seek God for revival and be concerned about people's souls until we really see the darkness mm-hmm. of this world. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and so, you know, politics is not going to change it. Uh, welfare programs isn't going to change it. Uh, none of the education is not going to change it. I'm not opposed to those things. But that's not going to change this problem. Right. This problem is far deeper than a, than a sociological or political issue. Yes, yes. I'm just shocked. I'll be honest with you. I'm just shocked when I read in your article the first the first words, "Satanic Temple in Boston." I'm thinking, what on earth? You know, <laughs> it's just shocking yeah. to me, uh, Pastor yeah. Al. It's shocking. Yeah, and especially when you realize that. The Puritans came to Boston in, in 1630, and within 15 years, they had built Harvard College, which was there to train ministers for the gospel. Mm. But by 1680, there was the Salem Witch Trials, and Salem is just, just a hop, skip, and a jump for Boston. Yes. And even now, every October 31st, there's a major uh, street fair in Salem, and people grow, uh, dress up as witches, and they walk around and parade around, and they're happy that they're witches. It's shocking. This, yeah, and, and so this is what happens when a culture forgets God. And, and what the amazing thing about Christianity is that when you really seek Him, He lifts you up. He lifts you up out of all the, the, the wickedness of your former life, and he gives you a spiritual mind, and you want to grow, and you want to grow in your knowledge, not just of the Bible, but of science and history and everything else. But the problem is, is that when you get, when you begin to move in that direction, if you begin to forget Christ, then you become prideful. And you think, now my mind, I'm the measure of all things. And this is what's happened in our culture over the last 200 years. And so these people who once, you know, 300 years ago were solid godly people, Yes, this culture now in, in the Boston, New England area, they've utterly rejected it. Mm. Yes. And uh, much, to their own, much to their own judgment in due time. Some people may think that, well, I'm just going to shoot for middle of the road, a uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that. But Jesus demands all of us, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Uh, you know, it's just fascinating. Um you know, reading through the Gospels, he's he's getting these uh, <laughs> these disciples, you know, and they're just they're just, I mean, these guys struggle with anger and <laughs> yep. their former life, you know, and all that, and 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 Jesus says to them, "Follow me." Yes, and uh, and there's a lot more behind it than that, but follow me. Mm. And uh, he says, basically, he's saying, and in fact, he says in other places, 
if you if you want to follow me, then you must take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. And so the cross has the idea of suffering. Yes. And uh, he says, yeah, he says in John fifteen, uh, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Mm. And Jesus says, that's what it's going to be. So, see, Jesus wants all of us uh, every day, and and He's worthy of it because of what He's done on the Amen. cross on our behalf. Amen. Well, today we're talking with Pastor Al Baker. He's an evangelistic revival preacher with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. And Al, just tell us just a little bit about your group there, Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. Yes, it started back in the 1950s with a man named Bill Hill, who was a great uh, evangelistic preacher. And then it grew over the years and into the 1960s and early 70s when there was a movement of God. There was about 12 or 14 men that would Mm. travel around the country and preach week-long evangelistic meetings in churches. and uh, But then, since then, you know, there wasn't as much of an interest or desire for evangelistic preaching in churches, so that began to wane. So I guess over the last 20 years or so, there's been a lot more street evangelism, open-air preaching, personal evangelism mm. type thing, and we're really all over the world. I, I was on a Zoom meeting today with uh, a brother in uh, Bulgaria, hmm. and another brother in Gambia, who are with uh, Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. That's and neat. these are these are evangelists, and they're out preaching regularly. And I've got friends in Kenya that I've preached with numerous times, and South Africa. And these men are are faithful preachers of the gospel. Yes. And, um, so uh, these guys work with us, and we've got people all over the world, really. But there's still there are a lot of men in the. And, and women also, because women can, they're not going to preach, but they can certainly do one-on-one evangelism. That's and, right. And that's been very, very helpful. So it's a, it's a really great organization. Now, when you participate in this, and you, you've done street preaching and that sort of thing, um, do you ever feel afraid? <laughs> not really. Um, uh, it's, you know, I put it this way. I've, when I'm preaching in the open air... I've never felt his presence more in open air preaching than anything else. And I think it's because, look, when we see a guy out preaching on the streets, by the way, there's some, there's some guys that don't do a very good job of it. They mm-hmm. bring it, they give it a bad name. So I'm very well aware of that. Sure. But when guys are really faithful, preaching the word and lifting up Jesus, uh, it looks foolish to people. Like, whoa, what's this yes. guy doing? And so I think that, I think the very fact that we're willing to do that, uh, I think God smiles on us. I think He, I think He gives us His favor, and you sense His presence, and you know He's protecting you because you don't know what's going to happen, and uh, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, and I think there's there's just a thrill to it that yeah. uh, that that I really enjoy. And, and again, when I say thrill, I don't mean that in a fleshly, earthly way, but mm-hmm. it's just a sense of His presence. Uh, remember Eric Little in the. Uh, the, the Olympic runner, you know, he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Yeah. And uh, when we preach in the open air, we feel his pleasure. And it's really a joy to do it. That's right. Well, you have this uh, really neat mailing that comes out. It's a devotional, I guess you would call it. Forget none of his benefits. And um, this, this people can receive this, right? That's right. Um, they can go to, uh, the initials for that are F N O. 
HB, forget none of his benefits, dot home dot blog, I think. But uh, if they just do Google forget none of his benefits, they'll find it. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, and they can register for it uh, and uh, and get it every week. It comes out on Thursdays, as you know. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy doing that. It's on Facebook as well. So, um, you know, one of the crying needs today is for people to have a very faithful man of God pastor. And I'm not sure there's a lot around, at least where I'm located here in the Hudson Valley of New York. There's some, but there's a dying need for that. Um, what what about that person that's looking? At, they may have to travel a ways to, to get to a good church, but it's worth it, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, and I think that what I tell people when they when when I was a pastor and they would move to another town, they, they would ask me what should I look for in a church, and I said, I think the first thing you should do is go in and talk to the pastor and ask him, do you believe the Bible is the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God? Mm. And if he blinks, <laughs> if right. he hesitates, run for your life. That's right. If he says, oh, absolutely, well then. That's probably a good church. Yeah. And it might be a very small church. It might not have the music that you like. Um, but whatever it is, if you find a church like that, that's where you need to be. And hopefully he's a, a man of God that is also a praying pastor as well. That's right. I mean, Obviously, he needs to know the Word, but knowing the Word means that he obeys the Word, yes. that he has a godly character. That yeah. he, I've often said that that preachers need three things, and I think it was Aristotle who said this, they must have logos, pathos, and ethos. Logos means they have to know the Word. They've got to know the truth. So a a preacher needs to know the Bible. He needs needs to know his theology very, very well. That's logos. Uh, Pathos means he must have passion. He needs to believe what he's preaching. Uh, if if uh, the preacher's putting you to sleep, he's probably putting other people to sleep, and maybe he's, maybe he's really not believing what he's saying. So you need to have pathos, but the, finally you have to have ethos, and that's ethics. Yes. You've got to have a godly character backing it up, and there's been plenty of preachers down through the years who, who had great logos, and they even had pathos, but they lacked ethos, and when you lack that, then you, you lack credibility, and your ministry rings hollow. Yes. And so, you, you, you know, you won't a lot of times you really won't even know about the, the, the lack of an ethic uh, if you just start coming to church. But after a while, you might see things that are happening. And one of the things that happens, I think, uh, Dan, with a lot of pastors is they become heavy-handed in their leadership. Yes. And uh, they, they, they drive the sheep. You're supposed to shepherd the flock, not drive them. Yes. Not, they're not cattle. <laughs> You're not taking, yes. You know, you, you, you lead them with grace. And mercy. Yes. Now, as we close today, we're talking with uh, Pastor Al Baker. For the person who says, you know what? I just realized I'm a sinner. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to laugh. I just, it's a delightful thing to realize that if you take the next step, right? If you mm-hmm. call out, describe that next step, if you would, please. Yes. Uh, well, we do have to realize that we're a sinner. By that, we simply mean we've broken God's law. All of us have. Uh, we may not be the worst person in the world, but we, uh, by God's standard, we've violated his law. Therefore, we're in trouble. We're condemned. Mm. We're actually on the road to hell. 
But nobody has to go there, Dan. What do we need to do? We need to see that Jesus is the only Savior of sinners. And if we will turn toward him and surrender to him and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. Change my heart. I have a wicked heart. Change it. Give me a heart that loves you, that loves people, that loves your word. And I believe that when we call upon him, he will hear us. He will answer us. And so uh, it's there's nothing spectacular about it necessarily. It's mm-hmm. Just believe. Turn from your sin and believe that Jesus died for you and that he can take away your sins and he can take you to heaven. And he will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will enable you to walk in a manner Amen. that pleases him, and you will grow in grace. So it's Amen. very simple. It's a beautiful that's what thing. we have to do. Beautiful. Amen. Our guest today has been Pastor Al Baker, and the website to get to his blog, folks, is FNOHB. I'll say that again, F-N-O-H-B, that stands for Forget None of His Benefits, blog. And I checked it out while you were talking here, Pastor Al, and that's indeed the right URL. <laughs> and uh, okay. he would love to hear from you. There's a contact button there where you can send him email and communicate with him. But it's a wonderful blog, and it's it's called Forget None of His Benefits. So, Pastor Al, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule and joining us today. Glad, glad to do it, Dan, and wish you the best, and uh, pray that God will continue to bless your ministry. Love what you're doing. <laughs> Amen. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 